Amen. Well, it's good to see you this morning. How many of you are hungry for Jesus? Okay, that was, that was pretty good. Let me ask one more time. How many, how many of you are hungry for Jesus? Come on. I'm telling you, there's something about summertime that makes you want to kind of just coast a little bit at times. But for me, when I get into summertime, there's certain things that come alive in my heart. And there's a, there's a yearning to go deeper uh, in, into the Word, uh, a yearning to go deeper into His presence, because I believe God forms and fashions things during this season like none other. You may think you're just relating to family, you're, you're relating and having some time on vacation and all this kind of stuff, getting some rest and, and doing all these things, lots of activities. But I'm telling you that the activity that the Lord is calling us to in the days ahead is a time of consecration unto the Lord. Not that you can't have fun, not that you can't be free. It's in the midst of all of this. Hear me, hear me. You need the rest. You need the relaxation. I went with my family a couple days ago. We, we spent some time together and it was awesome. We need that time. But I'm telling you, there's something stirring in my heart that says, you know what? God needs to move. God needs to move. Jesus needs to be glorified in our midst. We can't just expect things to go, that the train's just going to keep on moving and it'll get to its destination. I believe that as the church, we have participation, responsibility, a participation agreement when we signed up to be a Christian. We said, not my life, but his. We say, I deny myself so that he can be glorified and he can live through me, right? Amen. Well, that's not directly what I'm talking about today, but I just felt like I needed to share that. Why don't you pray with me and we'll get into the word this morning. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your truth today. Lord, we do thank you for your love and for your words that came forth this morning encouraging us to let go and release the things that, that keep us bound and keep us from being free, that you have provided a way for all of us to become completely delivered, completely satisfied in you, in your presence, because you truly are Lord God Almighty. God, we thank you that you shelter us under your shield. You are our protector. You are our shield and our buckler. Lord, we thank you that you come and you bring forth peace when it's needed. You come and you bring comfort when it's needed. You come and you bring challenge when it's needed, God. Lord, and so this morning we're asking that you bring exactly what we need today. That by your spirit, you speak to every single person within the sound of my voice. God, that we would come alive unto you, alive unto God for your glory and your glory alone. Open our eyes that we could see you, Lord Jesus. Would you agree with me in prayer this morning? Open our eyes, Lord Jesus, that we could see you more clearly. Open up our ears so that we could hear what your spirit is saying to us as individuals, as your church, as your family, God. And open up our hearts to receive fresh revelation from your throne room this morning, God. That you would come and you would separate soul and spirit. You would come and you would bring that revelation that changes us, not for a moment, but for all eternity. God, we thank you. Take over my words this morning and have your way in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're in agreement with that, shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. There's a couple of things that I want to share with you this morning. 
We're mostly going to be staying in one particular chapter. I don't always do this, but we're going to stay in a particular book in the book of Isaiah. I know a few weeks ago we kind of did this, but Isaiah 40 has been upon my heart and it was confirmed to me that I needed to share a word from this chapter. But there's several different things prophetically, several different things practically, several different things spiritually that I believe the Lord wants to impart to us through this book. Many of us have favorite passages actually within this, this one chapter that's quoted elsewhere within the New Testament. But I believe that the Lord wants to challenge us this morning. My message, if we were going to give a title to it, would be from comforted to courageous. Comforted to courageous. I believe the main point of what the Lord wants to bring you to today is that as we see him for who he is, the worship went right along with this this morning. As we see him for who he truly is, we receive tremendous comfort. We receive tremendous comfort knowing the vastness of his love, the, the redeeming power of his blood, the, the amazing way that he comes and he deals with us on an individual level in the most minute details. He deals with us as a tender shepherd. But then he doesn't just leave us there. Once we, we start to see him in, in all his glory and all his splendor for all that he is, for all that he can do, all that he's done, beyond that, when we see him for who he is, all of a sudden something shifts in our heart and there's a trust that begins to well up in our spirit. There's a, there's a yearning in our spirit to respond and to, 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 to be those that respond to who he is, his nature, and give him something that is of worth. Like we gave in worship, we, we sang about giving all our worship. At the end of this chapter, you'll see the Lord kind of commends us to go out and be those that are courageous, that are victorious in the midst of every single circumstance. Before I get into Isaiah chapter 40, keep your finger there. I just want to read this one verse out of Proverbs because Proverbs isn't one of those books that you can simply go through a chapter and tie in one message because it's like every verse switches. <laughs> but it's so good, right? The wisdom that comes from the book of Proverbs. You need to have your daily dose of Proverbs. But this verse stuck out to me this morning, and I want to challenge you with this. We'll come back to it later, but you'll see it make, made manifest in this chapter of Isaiah. Proverbs 22, verse 13 says, The lazy man says... There is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. You say, well, that's an interesting passage to start your message with. It sure is. The lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Why do I start with this this morning? Because I believe that there's many of you that have believed a lie. There's many of you that have given way to a, a perception or a, a, a false reality that there is everything coming against you, that there's a lion in the streets. Now, we know that, yeah, in Scripture, it does talk about the enemy going around prowling like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. We're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant in any stretch of the word. But can I tell you that there's sometimes when we get into a place where we have this mentality that the lion's out there to get us. 
whatever that lion is. It may not be a lion. It could be something else. It could be, it could be the tax man. It could be, it could be the bill collector. It could be a friend. It could be, you know, your, your boss at work. It could be a, a lot of different things that are, that are coming after you, whatever that lion is. And I want to encourage you this morning. It's time to look to the face of the lion and say, get out of my life. It's time to put the lion to death. To put that lion that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy and say, by the power of Jesus Christ that is living inside of me, by the power of his blood that protects me, by the shadow of the Almighty, I command you to get out of my life. You have no place here. It's time to get the lions out. We look to the lion of Judah for our place of peace and our, our place of refuge this morning. All right, let's dive into Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, verse one, comfort, yes, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare, warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Let me pause there for a second. This is an awesome prophetic chapter as Isaiah comes forth. If you were to read through Isaiah leading up to this chapter, you'd see a lot of prophetic words coming forth, but most of them aren't very good. Most of them deal with immense judgment and dealing with a lot of different issues. And it's many times seems almost hopeless in the midst of it because the people of God have strayed so far from his will. And there's a shift that happens in this chapter where Isaiah's tone almost consistently throughout this entire chapter is a word of encouragement to the people. And I believe that there's times and seasons when the Lord needs to speak these words in order for us to triumph. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that we need to adjust in our lives. It doesn't mean that we never need to come back and have a, a penitent or a repentant heart before the Lord, but there's sometimes when you just need to be comforted by the shepherd. And that's what this chapter begins to do. As Isaiah talks to them, he talks to not only the people, but also those other messenger, messengers, those declaring the word of God to the Lord's people to comfort his people. Comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. Now, the irony is, is that in the moment that this is given, the warfare was not over. The warfare actually was far from over. But the Lord was speaking not a lie. And I believe he's not speaking a lie to us this morning. He's telling you that the warfare is over. The warfare is over, meaning that he has already conquered. He has already won. The warfare has ended by the Spirit of God and by his divine plan. The warfare is over for your children, for your financial miracle, for your, your healing breakthrough. Those of you at home today dealing with sickness in your body, those that couldn't be here today, I'm telling you, the Lord says the warfare is over, not meaning that you let go and just simply let, let what will be be, but we come into that place of connection with the Lord, recognizing he has done it. He has done it. Comfort my people in saying that what the Lord says shall come to pass. 
If he said it as in something that's happening in the future, you may as well bank on it as if it already happened. That's what happens when the word of the Lord speaks. When the Lord calls you, many times there's a long distance, there's a long time of preparation between the time of receiving a call of God on your life to the time of seeing the, the fruit of that call, seeing exactly what God has provided for you and, and it coming into full manifestation. There's a lot of times a process that takes place, but that doesn't mean that what the Lord spoke in the beginning was any different than what he would say to confirm it years down the road when it actually makes manifest. When the Lord speaks it, it happens. I love this comfort that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. That's pretty awesome. That's a pretty awesome, comforting word to come from the Lord before they had seen the Messiah to know that their sins, their iniquity has been forgiven. Now, this doesn't come from a God who, who is not perfectly just or righteous. He doesn't just forgive or pardon their iniquity simply because he felt like it. That wouldn't be a just God. He did it because it was his desire, and he had a plan to pay for that sin, to pay for that iniquity. It goes on to say, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Double for all her sins. Now, if you were to read that in America today and in basic English, you would be very confused at what that could mean. Why, why would she receive double from all her sins? It wouldn't, that wouldn't be comfort. No, what it, basically what, what he's saying is that just like you would fold something over, the terminology in the Hebrew is as if you're folding something over like a blanket or a sheet. When you take something and double it over, it is covered completely and perfectly. So what the Lord is saying is that I'm covering your iniquity, every single sin, all of your iniquity, perfectly covering it, doubling it down so that it is covered. Your sins are no more. That's the God that we serve. Every single thing he thinks about, he knows. And then it goes on to this familiar passage you may have May, may be reminded of John the Baptist. In verse 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that just as prophetic as this was in Isaiah, just as prophetic as this was when John the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord, this is just as prophetic in this moment that there's a preparation taking place within the hearts of his people. When we say prepare the way of the Lord, when we talk about mountains becoming low and valleys rising up and making the paths completely straight, I believe the Lord is speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to the valleys. He's speaking to the mountains. And he's trying to equalize those things that, so that our hearts are prepared for the Lord. Fire church, fire family, I'm telling you this morning, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare your hearts for the glory of God that is about to be revealed in immense measure. Make the path straight. 
the crooked places will be made straight and the rough places smooth. Hallelujah. Have you been on some rough patches lately? Do you need some smoothing out? Hallelujah. We need that Holy Ghost steamroller to come upon us today and to make those places straight so that we can see God come in in his beauty and in his splendor. Verse 6 says, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? This is interesting. All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Hallelujah. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, you need to. The word of the Lord, the word of God stands forever. The word of God stands forever. Peter, recognizing the, the importance of this verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verse 22 through 25 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. That basically saying that yes, the frailty of human life, the frailty of our makeup, the fact that we will live and we will die in this frame, this current makeup that we have, it will pass in the blink of an eye. Life is truly fleeting. When we have that understanding and we have that revelation, we can come into the fact and the encouragement and comfort that comes from the word that the Lord's word endures and lasts forever. Yeah, we fade. Yeah, one day we will be no more on this earth. But his word endures forever. His will, his plan endures forever. This is important, friends. Let's continue reading. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold your God. I tell you, there's something about praise. There's something about coming into faith as you begin to lift your voice onto God and declare who he is. And it says, be, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God, declare to Concord, declare to Charlotte, declare to the nation of America, declare to the entire world, behold your God, behold the Lord God Almighty, behold the Lord. In that, all fear begins to be stripped away. As you behold them, there's no more fear of anything concerning this life. No fear of that grass that withers. No fear of this fleshly temple that will perish. There's no fear in that place of praise. There's no fear in declaring who God is. Verse 10, behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. I love that. 
He will come with a strong hand. Do you need the Lord with a strong hand this morning? Then what else does he come? And his arms shall rule for him. He comes and he brings his rule. I believe this is not speaking of the first coming of Jesus. This is speaking of his return. Behold, his reward is with him. When he comes back, he's bringing back the reward. <laughs> and not only that, in the next verse it says, and his work before him. He doesn't just bring his reward. He comes to inspect his work. He comes to inspect what is supposed to be going on within his children, within his family, within his church. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. And he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Let me pause there for a moment. I love the imagery of God being shepherd. Not just because I'm a pastor, not just because I would be considered a shepherd, but because it is who God is. Again, reiterating, when we see more and more of who God is, the comfort rises in our hearts. Faith rises in our hearts. And the comfort isn't just comfort to calm our woes and our fears and our concerns. It turns into courage. It turns into strength. It turns into faith. It turns into something that the enemy cannot rob you of. When we see God as shepherd, there's a beauty, beautiful picture an aspect of God is to behold his loving care as shepherd. And the first thing we see prescribed in verse 11 is that he will feed his flock like a shepherd. I've talked many times on different occasions and different settings about what it is to be a shepherd and, and what it is to be sheep. We know that sheep are not the most intelligent animals on the earth, Right? They really can't care for themselves. God designed it this way and uses this imagery intentionally because sheep need to be led to places to eat. Sheep need to be led to, to places where they can drink, where they can, they, can, they can not ride themselves into the ground or be unprotected. The first thing the Lord does is he feeds his sheep. He feeds his sheep and his lambs. He gives us food so that we can begin to chew. He tells us that we can gain comfort from him. We can gain love from him. Our sins are washed away. He redeems us and gives us a plan and a purpose for our lives. He comes and he washes us and sets us completely free. He gives us food like a good shepherd. Then it says, he will gather the lambs with his arm. He will gather the lambs with his arm. I love the tenderness of God that you see here. There's many different ways we can see God. We can see God as fierce with fire in his eyes, which he does have because he's a passionate God. He is a consuming fire, like it says in Hebrews. But also God is a very tender shepherd who comes and takes his lambs under his wing. And sometimes you don't need to be yelled at. You don't need to be scolded. Sometimes you just need the arms of a loving father to come and corral you, to just simply hold you, not say a word. He gives you, he feeds you, he gets your belly satisfied, and then you're able to be recipients of anything else. How many of you can say amen to that? Feed me and I'll be okay. <laughs> I know in my household that's definitely true. There's a lot of hangry people that... <laughs> 
you can deal with if you don't get, get people fed. Just It's like, okay, everybody, I can't count how many times I've said, okay, nobody else talk until we've eaten lunch. <laughs> nobody else talk until we've eaten something. You know it's true. You know you've said it or wanted to say it. <laughs> Sometimes it works. <laughs> But in any case, he feeds us and then he brings us to the place where he can hold us. And some of you can't relate to that and I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable this morning, but we need to get to the place where Father God can come and he can hold us this morning. We need to be held in the arms of the Father because there's something that happens in the Father's arms. There's something that happens even in my heart with my natural children when I'm holding my daughters, when I'm holding them in my arms and they don't, they don't know what to say, but they could be crying. They could be fearful. They could be hurt from falling off a, a, a skateboard, a, a, a bike, whatever, just tripping. When they come in the father's arms, there's something all of a sudden that cry begins to go. All of a sudden that head begins to go on my shoulder and they, they begin to subside. And all of a sudden there's, there's a peace that is there. They just know intrinsically everything is going to be okay. And God wants you to experience that today. For those of you that have, you have some fresh scrapes on your knees. Yes, you need that Band-Aid and the kiss to make it better. I'm not trying to dumb down God at all. I'm trying to say he loves us so much, so dearly, that we need to come into that place of being able to receive his lo loving embrace this morning. That we are, it's okay for us to be the lamb. It's okay for us to be held in the arms of the great shepherd, the good shepherd. It says that he will, car and will carry them in his bosom. Will carry them in his bosom. It doesn't just say that he will carry them. It doesn't just say that he's going to put us on his shoulders like you'll see a lot of times in, in, in imagery of, of the lambs. And usually when the, those lambs are on the shoulder, it's because that shepherd already broke the leg of that lamb because they were doing something stupid and now he has to carry them. But nonetheless, it says that the Lord carries them and puts them in his bosom. It's not just care. It's loving care. It's not just kindness. It's loving kindness. That's the God that we serve. He's immensely kind. He's way better than we think. Hallelujah. God loves to identify himself with a shepherd. Many of the greatest men of the Bible were shepherds. Do you recognize this? And their character as shepherds points to Jesus Christ. It points to our Messiah. We can go as far back as Abel, who was the shepherd. He was a picture of Jesus, who was the sacrificed shepherd. The sacrificed shepherd. Side note, I believe one of the main reasons why Abel's sacrifice of worship was accepted was because he gave, as a shepherd, a lamb. He gave a lamb that could be an acceptable offering. It was the offering that God wanted. It was the offering that needed to come many generations after. The Messiah needed to come as the spotless, pure lamb and be the sacrifice of worship, be the sacrifice for our sins. That's why it was accepted, not just because it was one man versus the other. It was because that was God's design. Abel, a beautiful sacrificial shepherd, even killed wrongfully 
like our Messiah was. Then you see Jacob as a picture of Jesus, the working shepherd. Then you see Joseph, a picture of Jesus, the persecuted and exalted shepherd. You see Moses as a picture of Jesus, the calling out from Egypt shepherd. All pictures of Jesus. And then David, the picture of Jesus, the shepherd king. The shepherd king. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Jesus is given several titles as a shepherd. And one of them is that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's not the bad shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Hallelujah. In John 10, verses 11 through 15, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd or one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That is our good shepherd this morning. Not only is he a good shepherd, the word of God declares him as the great shepherd. The great shepherd. It says in Hebrews 13, 20, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, this great shepherd that gives us triumph and victory, this great shepherd who gives us his glory and, and, and allows us to see triumph over our enemies. He's the good shepherd, he's the great shepherd, but he's also the chief shepherd. He's not only just one out of many, he is the top. He is the chief shepherd. First Peter 5, 4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That does not fade away. He is the chief over all his people. In his return, he is the sheep that separate, or he is the shepherd that separates himself, the sheep from the goats, as it talks about in Matthew. And that day is coming, friends. I can't simply ignore this or just simply talk about the loving side of God as a shepherd. He's also that just shepherd that will declare sheep and goats, those that know him, those that are known by him, those that are in relationship with him, with him those that are obedient to him those that love one another, those that perpetuate his kingdom, the sheep and the goats, those that will hear the words of love and acceptance versus those that are cursed and left to be apart from him forever. It says in Matthew 25, 31, let me just read it so you can understand it if you don't already know. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. It's amazing that this same shepherd, the one that seeks after the one that is lost, that leaves the 99 to find the one is also the one that, and the, the point of judgment will be the one that declares these stay and these go. It's a sobering moment, a sobering moment. 
Let's continue on in Isaiah. Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him? And taught him in the path of justice. Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Obviously, these are all rhetorical. But you can see the Lord who has established everything. I love talking with Wes, who has a great understanding of this, that literally God has created everything. The ground that we walk on, the technology that we use, he still created it. He placed the ability for man to create it. Your amazing vehicle that you love and saved up for. It wasn't created by, by a certain company or a certain amazing mechanic or, or creator. It was literally created by God because he placed that within the ability of men. He created the fabric of all of the earth. He created the air that we breathe. He created the stars in the sky, the sand on the sea. He created all the places that we go for places of refuge, places of peace, whether that's in the mountains in a, in a cabin or that's, that's along a seashore or it's some place surrounded by people, whatever it is, God created it all. He paints the skies with a sunset he, he, he allows the sun to rise every morning, every morning, every night. Faithful is the Lord as a representation of who he is. As the sun rises and the sun sets every single day, so is the Lord and his love towards us. Our God created it all. He let forth the expanse. He isn't wise because someone taught him. He is wise because he alone is wise. He alone is wisdom. He alone is love. He alone is God. There is no other. There are not many gods. He alone is God. There are many idols. There are many those that proclaim things. But he alone is God. He alone is God. Verse 15, behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. <laughs> is this too trivial for us this morning? Think about this. The nations, how many men of power and men that want to ascribe to great wealth would love to have the authority over all the nations? What is one of the most treasured commodities? Land. <laughs> what is the most treasured uh, influence? Having the ability to influence people, not just things or ideas or concepts. The nations are but a drop in the bucket according to who God is. And are counted as the small dust on the scales. That's the stuff that's left over after you weighed the something that was substantial. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. And they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. I guess he's really trying to make his point. To whom then will you liken God? Whom then can we liken him? Or what likeness will you compare to him? 
The workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold. The silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution, choose a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Verse 21, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth. When he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. Think about this God that we serve. Verse 25, to whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. That's amazing. I'm going to pause right there because I know how much trouble I have just remembering those names that are in this room. He remembers each and every one of his hosts by name, all the heavenly hosts, all the angels. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows the name given to you by your natural father and mother. He knows the nicknames given to you by your friends. And he knows the new name that he has for you for all eternity. He knows each and every one of our names. A personal, everlasting God. Have you not known? Have you not heard of him? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord? Did I skip over? Verse 27, let me go back. Verse 26, excuse me. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Wow. Wow. You give us a hundred yard dash and we'll talk about fainting and being weary. You talk about the creator of the universe who holds all things in his hands and holds everything together and is intricately involved in the matters of all of his creation, and he never faints nor is weary. It is that God, it is that shepherd that holds us. It is that shepherd, it is that God that calls us by our name. It is that God, it is that shepherd who tells us that he has us in his hands and that he has forgiven us. He's he's created a destiny for us. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Hallelujah. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. I'm speaking to you this morning. This is the word of the Lord to his children. To you, make it personal. He gives me power as the weak. In my weakness, he is strength. 
In fact, he is perfected in my weakness because he chooses to be the strength. He chooses to be the rock. He chooses to be the all-powerful, the all-authoritative God that he is. He gives power to me, the weak, to you, the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So whatever strength you have this morning, get ready for it to increase. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 21, many of you can quote it. You've probably got it written down somewhere, maybe on a mirror, maybe on a wall. Maybe it's on your Bible. But those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We come into that place of waiting right now. Just make this a moment of prayer. I can't even continue that verse. Lord, we choose to wait on you. Lord, we choose not to get ahead of you. Just as the, the prophet declared, who is one like the Lord? Who, who can he be compared to? Who gives you understanding? Who gives you wisdom? There is no man, God. So regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situation, this morning we say, Lord, in humility, in frailty, Lord, not being abased so that we can just simply say we are abased or to be prideful in our abasement. Lord, we truly come before you, God, recognizing our need of you. And we say, Lord, we will wait on you. As long as it takes, we will wait on you, God. We will wait. We will hasten your return. But Lord, we wait on you, God. As one waits on, on those guests of their house, we wait on you, God. We wait on you with joy in our hearts to serve you, Lord, because you are worthy. Not simply because we have to, but because you are worthy to be waited upon. Lord, we wait upon your word that never fails, that never ceases. As we declared, your word endures forever. We wait on you to watch over your word and to perform it, God. We wait on you to come and bring de deliverance for your captives. You live captivity captive. You, you, you lead us, Lord God, into the places of true freedom, of true abundance, of no lack, of no poverty. Lord, you are the God of more than enough, and we wait on you. We wait on you because we know in the Lord, there is strength. We know that in the waiting, even the dust, even the scraps from your table bring forth life and bring forth rejuvenating power. Lord, we wait on you this morning. Give us the endurance today. Breathe on us, O breath of God, that we can wait on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Wings like eagles this morning. Get ready to soar this morning. Get ready to be lifted up by the presence of God that allows you to overcome and get higher than every obstacle, to be able to be in that place that even if something tries to attach itself to you, you'll go up even higher so those things fall to the ground. 
that allows you to go up to the highest of heights with the keenest of insight and the keenest of visible sight to be able to see exactly the next step. Those of you seeking direction and clarity for your life, clarity for your marriage, clarity for business decisions, clarity for the calling upon you, the Lord says, I will bring you up and I will allow you to have wings like eagles. It won't be hard or difficult to get to the highest of heights because I've created and crafted you so perfectly that it will not be a struggle. Receive courage as an eagle, the boldness of an eagle. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall run and not be weary. I tell you, I prophesy over you, you will run and not grow weary, fire church. You will run and not grow weary, mom. You will run and not grow weary, Dad. You will run and not grow weary, Son of God, daughter of the King. You will run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall walk and they shall not faint. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As we close, there's a, 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 one more or two more passages I need to reference out of, out of the close of this chapter. Are you starting to see? Are you just starting to see as we get to the God of all comfort? As we get to see the God for who, the God of all gods, God as who he is, truly allows us to come into comfort. And as we get comforted by him, courage begins to rise in our hearts. There's a progression in this chapter that allows us to come to that verse. Most of us would rather just come to that verse and declare, I'm not going to get weary. His word says it, which is good. It is good, but it's not complete. It's not complete unless we know who God is. As we behold him for who he is, then we can be comforted and then we can receive courage. Then we can receive strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. It says they shall run and not be weary. They shall run and not be weary. It says, first we run and then we walk. You would think it would be the opposite, right? But no, there's, I believe there's immense intentionality with the way that this was written. It says, first we mount them with wings like eagles. We're soaring. Then we run and finally we walk. First, we recognize that we soar up into heavenly places. It says in Ephesians 2, 6, and he has raised us up together and has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
He causes us to soar into that place. Then we set ourselves on the course to run the race. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Finally, it talks about walking. Because once we come into that place of identification with God, seated in authority next to the Messiah, seated in heavenly places with proper perspective, that we go into that place of running the race with endurance. We go into the place where God has called us each to run our race, our individual and corporate race, that he says that we're in a good place to walk the walk. It says in, a Colossian, in Colossians 2.6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. So walk with him. Many of us try to focus on just walking the walk. You can't do that if you don't know who he is. You can't do that if you don't first soar. Everything in the kingdom of God is upside down. We'll be talking more about the kingdom of God in the weeks ahead, but I'm telling you, everything in the kingdom is upside down. So you don't, you don't crawl before you walk in the kingdom. No, you fly first. Then you run. Then you walk. You get to that place where when you walk, it's not just a walk. I believe it's swagger. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Where you walk into the room and everybody takes notice. The demons in hell begin to shudder because a child of God that walks is one that has already learned to fly, that has already begun to run the race with endurance and now is walking and they will not faint. That's who we are. I'm telling you, the life of God comes to bring us courage this morning. Would you stand with me? It's time for us to walk out of this room with some swagger. I'm not talking about walking with a limp this morning, even though you can make that part of your swagger if you have to. If you were wrestling with God and you got that limp, make it a swagger. We're soaring people. We're running people. We're walking people. We're walking with Christ because he called us into that place. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven and praise the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. We are thankful, God. We are thankful, God. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, great shepherd, great shepherd of the fold. We thank you that we are your sheep, God. We are not goats. We are those that are loved by you, that are cared by you, that are carried by you. Lord, we are comforted by the God of all comfort. In the midst of every situation, God, even in the loss of dear loved ones, God, in the midst of intense persecution, we can experience the God of all comfort. We can experience the God that brings forth grace 
that heals every wounded heart that is close to the brokenhearted, that heals bitterness, that heals places that have been separated and, 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 and baptized by, by fire of the world and not fire of the Spirit. And you bring us into a place of wholeness. You bring us into places of peace. You lead us beside still waters as David, the great king shepherd, understood. You take us into that place that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. We have no need of anything when we come into that place. Even if we walk into the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us. God, you come and you do what only you can do. And for that, we are grateful. That we, for that, we are amazed. Great God. Great God. Lord, I thank you that by your spirit and by your word that truly does endure forever. I thank you that it is built up in the hearts of men, in the hearts of each and every one of your children this morning. You have created a fabric and a foundation for courage and immense strength for the days ahead that we will not be weary in well-doing, but we will continue and we will reap if we faint not. We will reap the harvest. We will see the nation saved. We will see the glory glory of the Lord. We will see the salvation of Israel. We will see the salvation of our children and our grandchildren. We will see the deliverance, God. We will see the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the promises that you have declared over us individually and corporately. We thank you, God. We soar with you this morning. I'm going to ask my prayer team to come. Lord, we worship you in this house. And we declare your goodness to every generation, God. Every generation, God. Oh, Chief Shepherd, shepherd us well today. Shepherd us well today, God. Lead us in the way that leads to life and not to death. Lead us in the way that leads to life everlasting. Those of you that you need a touch from the, 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 the Holy Ghost this morning, you need breath for your lungs, you need strength underneath your wings this morning, even though I believe you've already begun to feel it, you begin to feel the lift of the Spirit, you need the strength of those that are praying around you, I encourage you to come to this altar and receive prayer, that we can believe with you, that if you need comfort today, the Lord is here to comfort you. If you need courage today, the Lord speaks courage to you. If you need deliverance today, you need anything in your natural frame, the Lord is healed, here to heal, to set free. I encourage you to come and receive from the Lord. Don't, don't feel like nothing will happen. I believe that there's a power in agreement. There's something that happens with the laying on of hands, that there's a transfer of the anointing of God. Don't let the enemy lie to you and think, oh, I'll just be fine. I can just walk on this on my own. No, God didn't create us that way. He created us to run together. He created us to soar together. He created us to walk together. I encourage you to come. I don't care if you've received prayer for the same thing 10, 15, 20 times in a row. You come today and you receive the comfort from the Lord. You have any inclination right now by the Holy Spirit of Him urging you that you need to receive a touch from God, that he wants to heal some part of you that you haven't released onto him. That was the word of the Lord that came earlier today. Being able to release everything onto him. The God of all gods. 
Sometimes we don't even recognize what we hold on to until the Spirit reveals it. You need to receive some prayer today. We're going to close in a, in a time of worship, in a time of song, but I encourage you, receive prayer. Receive prayer and go out of this place knowing that you are courageous. You are created for a purpose. And like we started in Proverbs, there's a lion out there. It's time to cast out that lion. Whatever that thing is, now that we know the God of comfort, now that we know that we have courage, we can look at that lion eye to eye and say, get out. Get out. I'm walking with swagger. You have no place in my life. Amen. Amen.